Well, good morning to each of you. Welcome this morning and thanks for being here at this gathering of First Baptist Church in Paris. We want to say a special welcome to a group of you guys who are joining us uh, for the first time in worship. This is Promotion Sunday at First Baptist Church. And so for our little ones uh, crossing up into uh, those early years of elementary school, maybe some of you are here with us in service for the first time. Welcome. Uh, make yourself at home. We love you. And we're so very thankful that you're here with us this morning. Also, we'd like to give you a special welcome if you're a guest of ours. Uh, you can look in front of you and in the seat in front of you, you'll find a connection card that looks something like this. If this is your first time with us, we'd like to ask you to take this out and complete this card. Then hang on to it and drop it in the offering basket on your way out this morning. Also, you can use this same card to tell us what prayer requests you have so that we can pray specifically for you this week and in the weeks to come. If you're joining us online, thank you as well for connecting with us. We welcome your presence with us and we encourage you uh, to click on the welcome message that you see there or go to our website at fbcparisky.com and let us know that you are joining us. We're excited to exalt Jesus together because it is our conviction that Jesus is worthy of all praise. Let's pray together this morning, church, as we praise the Lord today. Our Father in heaven, we are... So very grateful for the, the way that you have intervened in our lives and brought us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess to you that there was once a time when we were far from you. But we also acknowledge that even now that we know you, our opportunity to have the hope of heaven and our opportunity to walk with you day in and day out is not because of our doing, but it's only because of your grace. So we thank you for this reality. We acknowledge, Lord, our sinfulness and we, even as we do so, give thanks that we are sinners who have been forgiven by your free and abundant grace. And so we pray this morning that you would help us to set our eyes on Jesus. We pray that he would be the focus of our vision this morning in all that we sing, in all that we pray, in all that we hear from your word. Lord, give us this insight. We pray that you would stir our hearts to love him more and to desire to follow Jesus more faithfully and to desire to speak of Jesus more regularly to those around us. We pray this morning as we gather that you would do these works in our hearts and that as these things happen, that the Lord Jesus would be glorified. We thank you that Christ died for us, that he rose again. And we ask this morning, Lord, that you would help us to lift him high in our praises. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in worship. Let us stand as we sing at the cross, followed by He Lives. And just a reminder on He Lives, that last line, on the third, after the third verse, we're going to hold that a little longer.
gospel to every home. Gospel out there. Jesus to the world. There's a line in this song that says, we can talk and talk and talk. What if nothing happens? What if we do nothing? What's going to happen? This is a question for you all to answer. Nothing. Little girl who is hungry, preach for something she can eat. A single mom doing all she can, finds herself out on the street. Will we see their need and hear their cries? Or look at our watch and just walk on by? Or will we stop to take the time to be Jesus in their lives? We need to be lambs that roar. We need to be eagles that soar. We need to be salt. We need to be light. We need to be Jesus to the world. We need to take love into the streets. Be willing to turn the other cheek. We need to be strong. We need to be weak. We need to be Jesus. Jesus to Each week we come together to pray for a specific nation and a specific church. Uh, also today we're going to be praying for uh, Carlisle and just the relief efforts there that are going on. Today we're praying for uh, our nation, Japan. And uh, in Japan we're seeing a, a big uh, openness in 18 to 23 year olds and uh, their openness to the gospel. So um, let's continue to pray that, that God will work in uh, this age demographic and um, just grow the gospel in this nation. We're also praying today, like I said, for Central Baptist Church and their pastor TJ. Uh, so if you will, let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. We are just so thankful that we can be in your presence, Lord. 
that you are a God of, that changes this world for the positive, a God that is in control and a God that, that loves us beyond our understanding. We praise you for that. God, we um, just lift up to you right now uh, the city of Carlisle and just all that's going on with them. We pray, God, that you would just work in uh, the disaster relief efforts that are going on over there. We pray that in the midst of disaster that people would find hope and find hope in you. As they see the things of this temporary world uh, being taken away so quickly, I pray that they would seek something that is more eternal, and that is you. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just bless the, the Christians there and use them in a mighty way to uh, have the boldness uh, to share your gospel and share the hope to those that may not have the hope in the midst of all that's going on. We pray that uh, you would just give wisdom and discernment to uh, their mayor and the other officials that are in charge of, of these disaster relief uh, programs and, and what's going to be happening there. We pray, God, that you would just help things to come together uh, again, and that most of all, in the midst of it all, that your gospel would be spread, that hope would be spread, and that people would know you. Lord, we also lift up uh, the nation of Japan. God, we pray that you would... Uh, just continue your work in uh, these ages of 18 to 23 year olds who are open to to seeking truth. We live in a in a uh, in a culture today uh, worldwide that just has a, a desire to seek authenticity and truth. And so, Lord, I pray that they would find the truth and authenticity in you and in your gospel, and how separate set apart it is from any other uh, any other religion or anything else, Lord. I pray that they would see the truth in you and uh, that they would pursue it wholeheartedly. I pray that you would give those Christians in this nation just the, the wisdom and discernment to uh, speak truth to this, uh, to this group, this age group of 18 to 23-year-olds. I pray that they would hear your gospel and that they would become Christians and they would continue to spread your gospel as well as disciples of you. We pray also for uh, Central Baptist Church today and just pray your work in them in a mighty way, Lord. Uh, we praise you that we have a sister church that we can partner with on many things. Uh, we pray that you would just continue to uh, embolden them, empower them, Lord, as a church. I pray that you would uh, give them just unity and, uh, and hope and uh, just a promise for your future, Lord. I pray that you would use them as a lighthouse to the community around uh, Paris, and I pray that you would bless them in a mighty way. We pray also your blessings on TJ. Uh, their pastor. We pray that you would just give him wisdom and discernment as he pastors. We pray that you would just help him to pursue uh, your will over over anything else. And Lord, I pray that you would just um, guide him and and, uh, and bless him in a mighty way as well. And God, we ask today as well that you would just work in Pastor Kyle and our church. And Lord, that you would uh, speak through Pastor Kyle in a mighty way, Lord, that as he speaks your words, Lord, that uh, you would just give him that clarity and, and uh wisdom and discernment as he speaks lord and i pray that you would just open our hearts and through your holy spirit give us that discernment and understanding of your word that we may apply it as we walk out of here today we praise you god and we pray all of these things in your holy and awesome name jesus christ amen <laughs> oh my how's that for an attention getting introduction Hey, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, let me ask you to uh, take them out and come with me today to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter number 5. Hey, you know, when you are learning how to do something for the first time, oftentimes it seems like it's a challenging task or it's very difficult and you wonder if you're ever going to do it. But then once you learn how to do that task, you figure out it's not so hard. You know, when you first start trying to learn how to ride a bike, you need those training wheels to help you out. You might fall down and skin your knees a few times, but after just a few days of going after it, uh, you can get on that bike and you can whip that thing around the driveway. And if you're like me, I had a little green bike that I would ride with a big, tall, orange flag on the back of it, and I'd pedal that thing as fast as I could down the driveway, and I'd slam on the brakes and kick it out to the side and leave as many skid marks in Mom and Dad's driveway as I could. Before you know it, it's no problem to ride a bike. You know, it seems to me, it strikes me that for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing Jesus with others is kind of that way also. There's an intimidation factor when it comes to communicating the gospel of Christ, when it comes to speaking the words of Jesus, repent and believe the gospel. It can be uh, something that makes us a little bit apprehensive. 
know, once we get into sharing our faith and once we engage people in conversation and we uh, gain more experience in figuring out how to do that and how to guide conversations, uh, it really becomes not quite so difficult, much like riding a bike. Listen, there's some good news for us this morning that comes from the Gospel of Luke is that there is for us a connection between eating and sharing Jesus with other people. Now, many of us in this room love to eat. And I'm one of those people, unless we're talking about vegetables or something like that. But if we're talking about ice cream and meat and stuff that you deep fry, then sign me up. I'm all about that. Luke chapter 5, what happens is the call of Levi, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Levi becomes a disciple of Jesus and Levi throws a big party and he feeds all of his friends so that he can introduce them to Jesus as well. He uses eating as an opportunity to share Jesus with others through a ministry of hospitality. There's much we can learn from his example. We receive in this passage a, an insight into at least a portion of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Levi leaves everything, he follows Jesus, making him first place in his life, and he throws this big party for his friends so that they can meet Jesus as well. So two aspects of what it means to follow Jesus come out from this text. Number one, following Jesus means putting him first place in everything. Number two, following Jesus means feasting with sinners. Let's read the first part of this text, Luke chapter 5, and find verse 27. Luke 5, verse 27. Here's what we read. After this, he, that is Jesus, after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Notice first, following Jesus means putting him first place in everything. Jesus gives this call to Levi and to us as we hear it, come and follow me. In the intervening verses right before this chapter, we have seen Jesus, what he does all throughout the Gospels. Earlier in chapter 5, Jesus reaches out to a leper, to one who is viewed to be unclean that, that nobody wanted to touch. But Jesus reached out, touched him, offered cleansing to this leper. Then was Jesus' ministry to a paralytic, where Jesus healed this man and spoke to him forgiveness of sin. You see Jesus doing what we always see Jesus doing, providing help and healing and providing the offer of the forgiveness of sin. Come to this chapter, or verse 27, and we see Levi. Levi is not too much different from this paralytic or from this leper. Much like them, he was one who was an outcast of society. He's a tax collector. Tax collectors were viewed as thieves. They were viewed as crooked because they would collect extra and keep it from themselves. So even though Levi probably had a lot of money, he was still a social outcast. Hold your finger here in chapter 5 and go back to Luke chapter 3 and see the understanding of what tax collectors were thought to be. Chapter 3 and verse 13. Now this is during the ministry of John the Baptist and groups of people are coming to John the Baptist as he's giving this baptism of repentance and they're asking, what should we be doing? A group of tax collectors comes to him. Verse 12 records for us. Verse 13 is the response of John the Baptist to these tax collectors. Hear what he says. And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. The understanding is that's what they've been doing. Collecting more than they were authorized to do. So back in chapter 5, this is the, the backdrop for who Levi is. A tax collector sitting at the tax booth and just like all of his buddies, collecting more than he was supposed to be doing. A crooked, thieving, social outcast. But Jesus approaches him because being a crooked, 
thieving social outcast made Levi exactly the kind of person that Jesus was after. So Jesus comes to him and simply says two words, follow me. His response is quick. Leaving everything, Levi rose and followed after Jesus. Now, the Gospel of Matthew also records for us, but there, Levi is called Matthew. Much like you and I today, but for different reasons. People in the first century had uh, two names for Levi. He had the name Levi. He had the name Matthew. And some would say this was perhaps to have a, a Greek name and a Hebrew name or something like that, but... You and I know the real reason why he had two names, don't you? Levi had two names, so that way when he was a little guy and he was in trouble and his mama wanted to really get his attention, she could say, Levi Matthew, you get over here. Same guy, though, from Levi in Luke's gospel to Matthew in Matthew's gospel. And the same call comes from Jesus, follow me. And notice his Response. Jesus gives the call and Levi responds quite immediately. It says in verse 28, he left everything and followed after Jesus. Now, not everyone that Jesus encounters in the gospel has this kind of response. And the calls that Jesus issues to individuals can at times vary. You'll remember when Jesus interacted with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in chapter 19... Jesus did not tell Zacchaeus to uh, leave everything and follow him. As far as we know, Zacchaeus went on being a tax collector, but he was an honest tax collector now. And he vowed to repay that which he had stolen from people and even at an interest rate. Uh, so Levi could have followed Jesus as a faithful tax collector, but the plan of Jesus for his life was different. The Lord is calling Levi to be one of these 12 disciples of Jesus who would be with him for three years in his earthly ministry. But there's a prioritization that is happening. Levi responds, listening to Jesus' call in his life. He leaves everything, including his wealthy job as a tax collector. And he goes and begins to follow Jesus, the itinerant preacher who doesn't even have a home to sleep in at night. He follows Jesus quite quickly. This is Jesus' demand for our lives. Not that we would per se leave everything and follow him, but that Jesus would be first place in our lives. The call to discipleship that comes throughout the Gospel of Luke is a high call of discipleship indeed. For Levi, it was follow me. He left everything and did. But watch how the Gospel develops. Go to chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Here Jesus gives the call of discipleship to a broader audience. Jesus is not talking to a particular individual, but rather to a large group of people. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Here the call of discipleship as issued from the lips of our Savior Jesus Christ. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. See the call of Jesus. It is a call of self-denial and a call to take up the cross and follow Jesus, which means that we must be willing to follow Jesus, even if it means we follow him to death. After all, that's what a cross was, was it not? An instrument of execution and death for the Roman government. And so when Jesus says, take up the cross, deny yourself, and follow me daily, that is a call to absolute devotion. Notice the audience that Jesus is speaking with here. Verse 23. And he said to all. This is the normative call of Christian discipleship. To take Jesus and place him first place in our life and to deny self. It's a reversal of who sits on the throne. We remove ourselves from the throne of our lives and we exalt Christ as the king who reigns over our lives, denying ourselves and daily following Jesus. 
But he does this again later. Flip over to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, there is another large crowd that has gathered to follow after Jesus. And he issues words that by anyone's measure are shocking. Luke chapter 14 and find verse 25. We'll see this call of discipleship as it unfolds from the Lord Jesus here. Luke chapter 14 beginning in verse 25 we read this. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters... Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build but was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not... While the other is yet a great way away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Notice the shock of the words of Christ. This is why large crowds were around when Jesus was feeding and when Jesus was healing But as Jesus began teaching, those crowds would often disperse because he issues this high call of discipleship. Verse 26 shocks our ears, doesn't it? If you don't hate your mother, father, children, you can't be my disciple. Well, here's the idea. It's an idea of comparison. Just like in the Old Testament when it says that God loved Jacob and hated Esau. It's the idea of God choosing Jacob over Esau. The family line through which Christ came would come through Jacob and not through Esau. Jacob was chosen over Esau in that regard. We should not understand Jesus' words to be a calling for us to hate our family as we typically think of this term. But rather it's a terminology of preference. That we would choose Jesus over our family. That's the idea. That Jesus would be for us more important than even our mother and father, our children, and even our spouses. Jesus is calling us in these words to place him as first place in our lives over all of these others that we care for and love so much. And he says it to us so plainly in verse 33 So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot, cannot be my disciple. The call of Jesus toward discipleship is this high calling. Jesus is not a portion of our life that stays on the side, but rather Jesus becomes for us our very source of life through which every aspect of our life is lived out. He must be first place in everything. Colossians chapter 1 begins to describe Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1 we read of Jesus as the creator of all things, as the sustainer of all things. And then we get down to verse 18 of Colossians chapter 1 and we read this. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Following Jesus means putting him in first place in our lives. So for you and I to be a Christian and to walk faithfully with Jesus, the requirement is that nothing in all of our lives is elevated to a height higher than we elevate the Lord Jesus in our lives. Jesus came to earth and gave up for us everything. Humbling himself to come down out of heaven and to live as the son of a carpenter, 
to have his ministry where he had nowhere to lay his head and eventually, even to death, Christ gave up everything for us and his call to discipleship is, hey, I've given my everything for you and if you would be my disciple, then you must give everything for me. Lay down your life and come and follow after me. Jesus must be more important than our careers. Jesus must be more important than our families. He must be more important than our own plans. He must be more important than going to the lake. He must be more important than youth sports. He must be more important than sleeping in. Christ must take preeminence and supremacy above all things in our lives. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've been watching the Olympics this week. Have you been watching some? We were watching a race last week. It was a, a swim. It was a 400-meter uh, freestyle for the ladies. And the Americans had a contestant there. Katie Ledecky was on the block. And whenever Katie Ledecky is swimming, you always think, man, we got a chance. And so we watched that race. And we were hoping uh, that we could get another gold medal. The last time I checked, the U.S. Were, was leading in the medal count. And so we were excited for that, looking for another medal to come in. And so the race was going, and Katie Ledecky was doing pretty good. But eventually this uh, Australian swimmer, who was just a little bit faster, edged her out. And the Australians got the gold, and we just got the silver. Well, you know, that's kind of, a, kind of a letdown, isn't it? I mean... It's still amazing to be the second fastest swimmer in all the world. We shouldn't uh, be too upset about that. But second place isn't quite like first place, is it? There's a bit of a, a letdown that comes when we experience coming in second. We don't remember who second place was. We don't give them the glory that the first place finisher has. And as that famous fictitious NASCAR driver once said, if you're not first... Your last. This is how we feel as we think about these things. What if we were to put Jesus in that position in our lives? Where he's not first, but he's second. That place that is forgotten. Or worse, third or fourth or fifth in our lifestyle and our schedule and the time that we spend with him and our priority reveals that. What if we put Jesus in one of those places? Well... According to the words of Jesus, that's not what it means to follow him. He must be first place in everything. Following Jesus means putting him in first place. And Luke wants us to see how Levi did that. So let's go back to chapter 5 and finish the story of Levi. Luke chapter 5 Beginning in verse 29, we see the second aspect of what it means to follow Jesus from this text. We put Jesus in first place, and one of the ways that we put Jesus in first place is by feasting with sinners. Watch what Levi does now that he knows Jesus. Verse 29 of chapter 5, the Bible says this, And Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Watch what Levi does. He meets Jesus, leaves everything, follows him. And then his first recorded action as a follower of Jesus is that Levi throws a party. Now remember who Levi was. He was a tax collector. Tax collectors are friends with who? Other tax collectors. Just like if you work for the city, well, you're friends with the other guys that work for the city. Or if you're an engineer, then you are friends with other engineers. Whatever it is you do, you tend to associate with those who do the thing that you do. And so Levi's met Jesus, and he now wants his other friends to come over and meet Jesus. So watch what verse 29 says. He throws a great feast. 
And there was a large company of tax collectors and others there with him, reclining at the table to eat. Levi must have had some money. He must have had a large enough home to have a large company of people over. And he must have had enough money to feed everybody. But this is what he's doing. He invites all of his friends over to that party. All of his rowdy friends come over. And Levi invites Jesus over as well. Because he wants to put his friends in the environment where Jesus is. So that they can meet Jesus just like he has. Verse 29 says that there were tax collectors and others... Verse 30, the comment from the scribes and the Pharisees clarifies for us that those others were identified as sinners. Tax collectors were known as, by the Jewish elite, sinners and known to associate with other sinners. This is what they're doing. Levi throws the party. He has all of his sinful friends over and Jesus is right at home in this environment because Jesus is a friend of sinners. And we are grateful that he is, are we not? Because everyone in this room has that diagnosis, sinner. The difference between a Christian and a so-called sinner in this text is that a Christian is a repentant sinner. But Matthew, or Levi, has this party. What he does is so simple, isn't it? He has a meal prepared and he invites people over to his house. Well, you can do that, can't you? Every single one of us can do that. And even if you can't cook, you can call Papa John's and they'll deliver to your place. And you can have your friends over to come and hear about Jesus. Listen, in your home, the Lord has given you an incredible resource. A resource that is at your disposal and can be used for the glory and for the kingdom of God. It's right there at your disposal. Hey, life is hectic. And everybody's doing stuff and people are running a mile a minute. But if somebody comes over to your house for dinner, it's not that way, is it? You sit around the table and you have a meal together. And when the meal's over, you sit around and you talk. And you can talk about everything under the sun. You can talk about what's broken with politics. You can talk about what's going on with the school system. You can talk about how things are going at work. And you can talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ in an environment that is laid back, personable with someone that you know and care about, and an environment that gives you the opportunity to have a prolonged conversation about how to be saved. What Levi does is so simple, but yet it is so significant. The Lord has given you a home. You live somewhere. So use that home to impact others. Use that home to do what Levi does, to invite others over and point them towards saving faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, I was having a visit this week. Now that uh, we're able to get out and do a little bit more of that, I was visiting with one of our widows in the church, uh, Miss Irene uh, McKinney. If you know Miss Irene McKinney, she'll, her face will come to your mind and you'll know exactly who she is. If you haven't had a chance to meet Miss Irene, she hasn't been here as much in, in recent years. She is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, our oldest living church member. Uh, when her birthday rolls around, she's going to be one hundred years old. And so uh, Miss Irene is in a stage in her life where she's there in her home. She's not able to get out too much, uh, but caregivers come to her and those caregivers help her out. And uh, as Miss Irene and I were talking this week, she told me, she said, you know, uh, one of my caregivers, uh, she told me she has never really been to church and doesn't really know much about the Lord. And he says, she said, uh, so, so I've been talking to her about it. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to her about the Lord, I'll talk to her about the church. And Miss Irene said, you know, sometimes she shuts me down, but that's okay. I'll keep trying. And she will, won't she? But see what Miss Irene's doing. She's doing what Levi did. Uh, not through a meal, but still using her home to be hospitable to others and to let what takes place in her home be something to impact others for the gospel of Christ. So uh, whether you're able to host a large group and cook a big meal or whether you're in a place where you're receiving care from others, you're always going to be in a phase of your life where you can use your home to share the gospel with others and have evangelistic hospitality of some sort. So don't neglect that opportunity. It's 
really easy and it gives you a golden opportunity to share Jesus with others. But as Levi does this, there is controversy that arises. And not everybody likes it. In fact, the scribes and the Pharisees don't like one bit what Levi's doing or what Jesus is doing. But as the complaint arises, it gives Jesus an opportunity to clarify his mission for them. If we look back to the text once more, you see the complaint coming in verse 30. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Feasting with sinners gives us a great opportunity to share Jesus with others, but sometimes religious people don't like feasting with sinners because they act like if they hang out with people who don't have any particular connection to Jesus, they might catch something from them. And so the scribes and the Pharisees are all been out of shape. Watch what they're doing. They're complaining to the disciples of Jesus. Do you see that? The disciples are their audience. Well, who are they really upset about? Are they really upset about the disciples or are they really upset about Jesus? Because after all, who's following who? Are the disciples following Jesus or is Jesus, fo- or is Jesus following the disciples? Well, of course, the disciples are following Jesus. So the real problem for the scribes and the Pharisees here is not with the disciples, but it's with Jesus. But yet, the scribes and the Pharisees don't have enough courage to confront Jesus with the issue that they have on hand. They are demonstrating an incredible amount of cowardice and not dealing directly with the Lord Jesus. As a side note for us, there's a lesson here, isn't there? There is a right way to handle tension and interpersonal conflict, and there is a wrong way to handle tension and interpersonal conflict. When conflict arises, you've got two options to deal with it. Option number one is to deal with the person directly. Option number two is to shut your yapper, right? We never under any circumstances, when I have a problem with you, have liberty to go to somebody else and talk to them about that. The Bible has a word for that. The word is gossip, and gossip is sin. So whenever we find ourselves tempted to be like the scribes and the Pharisees and to talk about others instead of talking with others, we should stop what we're doing and go to somebody directly. But the scribes and Pharisees didn't have enough courage to do that. You see, they thought that as Jesus and the disciples interacted with these tax collectors and sinners, that they were becoming ceremonially unclean, and perhaps they were. But Jesus' intention was different than that. He answers them. In verse 31, we see Jesus' answer. So the scribes and Pharisees are not talking to Jesus, but Matthew's gospel records this episode for us, and he tells us that Jesus heard what they were saying, so Jesus responds directly to them, and he says this, Hey, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. When do you go to the doctor? Do you go to the doctor when you're feeling great? Or do you more often go to the doctor when you're not quite feeling right? You go to the doctor when you're sick. Jesus says, that's the point. He continues, verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to Repentance. What's the mission of Jesus? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So he spends time with them in order that he might know them and love them and serve them and communicate gospel truth to them. He didn't come to call the righteous, he came to call sinners. But, but there's some sarcasm in the words of Jesus here, isn't there? After all, Remember the whole teaching of Scripture that comes to us. Remember that Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 tells us that there is no one who is righteous. And remember the call to repentance that goes out as Jesus issues it throughout the gospel. It is a call that goes out to all people. No one is righteous, so everyone needs repentance. So what does Jesus mean then when he says, I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance? Well, we should understand his words in light of all of that to mean this. I've not come to call those who think that they are righteous and don't need repentance, but I've come for those who recognize that they need me, and that's where I'm going to focus. You see, what we need 
to recognize before we can be right with Jesus is not that we need a lot of things in order to be acceptable to Jesus, but what we need to realize is that we need Jesus a lot. And Jesus says, this is why I came. Not for the righteous, but for the sinner. Not for those who think they are well and don't need a physician, but rather I have come for those who are sick. Jesus has this heart. That's why he came to this party that Levi threw. Because when Levi was feasting with sinners, he was living out the heart of Jesus and spending time with those who don't yet know Jesus so that they can come to discover him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means putting him in first place in our lives above every other thing. And when we do that... We're willing to do things like carving out time from our schedule in order to have someone over for dinner so that we can lovingly share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and give them an example of the peace and tranquility that comes from a Christian home. When we open our homes up, it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. Look, we're getting ready to embrace this initiative. Now we're under two weeks away from beginning our efforts to take the gospel to every home in Bourbon County as we go door to door with a partnership of other churches to all 8,300 homes in our county. But you know, there are a lot of other ways that we can share Jesus too. We don't just share Jesus with people that we don't know at their doorstep, but more fundamentally and more effectively, right? More effectively, we share the gospel of Jesus with those that we know and love well in the context of our own homes. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So look, as a Christian... As a follower of Jesus, you've got to recognize this. This is the heart of Jesus. This is why he came, and it ought to be our heart too. And so if in your life there is lacking a desire to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, then you ought to ask yourselves, well, what kind of Christian am I? And if there is in your heart a desire that lacks to know lost people or to spend time with lost people, well, then you need to change your lifestyle. And if you have unbelieving friends and you don't have a desire to share the gospel with them, well, then you ought to ask yourself the question, what kind of friend am I that I'm not interested in extending to those that I love and care about the hope of spending eternity in heaven with Jesus? We should evaluate our hearts and be sure that our priorities are right. We go about our lives and we do the things we need to do. We go to work. And we take our kids to practice and we live out our lives. But as we do those things, we're engaging with people, being intentional to begin conversations and to get to know others so that we can build relationships that give us an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with others, whether that's out in a different setting or whether that is in our homes. We're on the lookout everywhere we are so that we can be like Levi to talk to Jesus or talk about Jesus to others and to invite others into our home and then in the warmth of that home to share the hope of Christ. That's how we follow Jesus. And if he's first place in our lives, then we will want to follow him that way. Let's bow together, church, as we think about this text and how we ought to apply it to our heart this morning. And let me ask you to think about this in a couple of ways. First, let me encourage you to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ for yourself and to be sure that you understand it. Being a follower of Jesus means putting him in first place. So, look at your life. Is Christ first place in your life? Look, for you to be saved from your sin and have eternal life, you must... Be willing to repent of your sin, to believe in the gospel, and to pursue Christ with intentionality. You've got to believe that Christ died for your sin, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And when you believe, he gives you the free gift of eternal life. This free gift is accomplished not by what you do, but by what Christ has done for you on the cross. 
But coming to Him and receiving life puts you in a position where you have a changed heart and a new set of desires and now you want to walk with Christ and have Him as your greatest priority. Do you have that kind of desire? And if you don't have that kind of desire, then could it be that you have never been saved from your sin? That you don't have a real relationship with Jesus? If you don't have that real relationship, why not begin it today? By repenting of sin and following after Jesus. For those of us who have followed after Jesus, are, are you sharing Jesus with your friends, with your family? Are you using your home as a place to proclaim the gospel to others, including your own children first? If not, then isn't it time to step up your game? Use hospitality as a means for evangelism. And maybe begin thinking even now about putting some plans in place so that you can do that. Perhaps you're here this morning and the Lord has impressed upon your heart the need for you to become a member of First Baptist Church in Paris. You have the opportunity to express your interest in doing so this morning. Maybe the Lord is at work in your life in some other way. Perhaps the Lord is at work in your life calling you to gospel ministry, to give your life to Him, to share the gospel of Christ with others. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation and you'll have the opportunity uh, to come and pray on our front steps if you like. I'll be down front to pray with you if you so choose. And Pastor Ben will be available in a room just off to the side of this worship center if you'd like to go and talk to him in a more private setting and in a place that allows for social distancing. But however God moves on your heart, hear the call of Jesus today and simply respond to him in obedience. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you would help us today to surrender our hearts to what you have said. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, church, as we respond as a church family to the preaching of God's word. Well, as we wrap up our time today, we do want to share with you some opportunities of service that you have in the near future. 
we respond to the preaching of God's Word not only in our time of invitation, but also as we live our lives during the week. So let me share some opportunities of service with you today. Uh, you'll see in your bulletin, uh, front and center, we are uh, right on the cusp of reaching into our Gospel to Every Home efforts, and that's what's front of our minds today. So let me show you about a couple aspects of that. Uh, first, next Sunday evening... At uh, 6.30, we're going to be gathering at Central Baptist Church, just the block over, with other participating churches in the Gospel to Every Home initiative. And we're going to have a time of training and a time of encouragement for what we're doing. So we want to encourage you to mark out your calendar and plan on being there at Central Baptist next Sunday night at 6.30. Then next Wednesday, so not this Wednesday, but 10 days from today, on August 11th, we are going to be packing the 1,800 bags that our church is committed to distribute. We're going to be doing that on Wednesday night over in the Activity Center. And uh, hear me out on this one, church. Uh, this is for everybody. So we understand when it comes to going door to door, there might be some limitations that you have that would hinder you from that. So Prayer gives you an opportunity to be engaged in the initiative, as does our packing party. So if you'd like to come and help us fill up bags with uh, gospel presentations and gospel tracts and Jesus film DVDs and information about our church and other churches that are working with us in this effort, uh, you can engage with us in that. So it's going to be next Wednesday at 6.30 over in the Activity Center. Then... The following Saturday, which will be two weeks from yesterday, we will begin visits. And here's how we're going to approach those visits. We're going to be gathering at the church and sending teams out twice a week. Uh, once on Monday evenings and also on Saturday mornings at 6.30 Monday evenings and 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. We invite you to join us for those. If you can come once, come on out. If you can come every Monday, come on out. If you can come every Monday and Saturday, knock yourself out. We'll be here with you. Or if your schedule doesn't permit for Monday or Saturday, here's what else we can do. We can give you some visits for you to go make with yourself, your, your family, as your schedule permits. So we want to allow for the widest number of engagement that we can. We don't want scheduling to be a problem. So note those efforts and make your plans to be a part of getting the gospel to every home in Bourbon County. Uh, also today we do want to just... Uh, make an FYI and want you to keep it on your radar. Uh, you heard Pastor Ben as he spoke earlier and as he prayed uh, our prayers for our neighbors in Carlisle just a little bit down the road. Uh, many people experienced flooding this past uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. And we're investigating ways that we can help out and be a servant to our neighbors just down the road there. Some possibilities on the horizon for us are that our activity center could perhaps be a place to house volunteers who uh, come and cooperate through Southern Baptist disaster relief efforts. Uh, not only housing, but that will create for us the need to do some help in, in food and uh, hospitality ministry. Also, there's possibility for us to send some relief teams over to do the dirty work of cleaning out muddy homes and helping people uh, to get their home in a position where they can begin to rebuild it. And so uh, tomorrow, uh, Mayor Ronnie over there in Carlisle and uh, SBC Disaster Relief and the Red Cross are going to be meeting and we'll see how things go from there. But uh, think about that and think how you might be of service to help us clean out homes or to help provide meals and hospitality for those who are. Uh, lastly, we do want to let you know today that our men's small group is uh, relaunching in person this Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. at The Rock. Uh, those men have been faithfully uh, together even through our uh, times of COVID. They've been meeting virtually. But now they are going back in person at The Rock this Tuesday at 7 a.m. and starting a new Bible study. So uh, men, this is a good time for you to jump in. Uh, come in and it'll be the first time back in a new lesson. So if you'd like to come and join them, this will be a great time to do that. If you have questions about getting involved, you can see Rick Ward and he'll be happy to answer all those questions about you engaging in this opportunity for discipleship. Well, we're going to uh, close out in the time of prayer now. Joe Sykes, fresh off the beach, is going to come and uh, lead us in a time of closing prayer. And after he does, we'll be dismissed. So we heard this morning in Sunday school, those of you that were here, about all the times in our life, all the different seasons in our life. And what an amazing 
follow-up to that to find out that whatever's going on in our life, whatever the season is, whatever we're engaged in, don't get so wrapped up in all the stuff to do that you forget to do what Jesus told us to do first. Wow, it hit me right between the eyes. My toes are a little sore this morning, so thank you. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for this church, our leadership here, and the way that we get fed when we come, when we show up. Thank you for everyone that's gathered here. Thank you for every family that's represented. We ask your blessings on us as we leave. Guide us safely until we can return again. In Christ's name, amen.